Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse 41. And they that gladly received his word were baptized. The same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and prayers. Fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. All that believed were together, and had all things common, and sold their possessions and goods, and parted them to all men as every man had need. They, continuing daily, with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and Maybe you baptized more than that at one time. I don't know. 
3,000 people declared their faith in Christ and became a part of a body that we call the church, that the Lord established upon the declaration that Peter made, and I'll not deal with that particular subject this morning. Sometimes we think that once one has made his declaration of faith in the Lord Jesus, everything's going to be perfect. You won't sin anymore. I talked to the four youngsters that will be coming forward this morning in my study for a while this morning. This is one of the things that I pointed out to them, that they will continue to Make errors, sin, they have a way of getting those sins forgiven now. But there is an assumption on the part of lots of people that all of us in church are perfect. Well, I only know of one perfect person in this congregation this morning. That's me. You know, rest of you fall far short. And you sit there in the, in the pew and say, I don't know what a perfect person, that's me. And the preacher doesn't get in that group either. No, we're not perfect. Our salvation didn't make us perfect. It didn't guarantee us that we would never have any more uh, immoral desires, nor be tempted to do something that is wrong. Don't fail to do all those things that we know that we want to do. We're simply sinners saved by the grace of God. That's all that makes us anything at all. The world out there takes cracks at the church, calls many of our members hypocrites. They're right. A hypocrite is a pretender. Of course, there are no pretenders in this congregation this morning. I say that with tongue in cheek. I hope you understand. Because at some point, under some circumstances and under certain conditions, every one of us fit the category of being a hypocrite, one who pretends to be something he or she is not. But that doesn't cause us to be anything different than still a sinner saved by grace. The church is raped with scandal. We've had that in the news in the past few years that has really dug deep into the image of the church in the world. We have it happening all the time and we as a church here will not escape that same thing. Somebody, somewhere in our congregation will disappoint us and be less than what we think they ought to be. But once we've taken off our own masks, we see that we're all the same. Again, just sinners saved by grace. And yet somehow or other, God saw it fit to take this body of imperfect people, of still sinners, and call them his body, and want something out of them. You want something from 
you make, even though we're sinners, though we're saved by grace. I want to quickly suggest three things that God expects from and delights in as far as his church is concerned. And I suppose there are many things that we could say. But I want to say just three things. Number one, God has a right and does expect that his church be a body of praying people. He expects that we be a body of witnessing people. And thirdly, he expects that we be a body of preaching people. Preach his word. These three things quickly I want to refer to this morning. In the first chapter of Acts, in the 14th verse, we are told that the apostles and the others who were with them there in that upper room continued daily in prayer and supplication in one accord. They continued in prayer. What would happen if on Wednesday night every member of this church came to prayer meeting? I'll tell you one thing would happen. The preacher would faint. And yet probably it's one of the more important things that ever happens to a church body is when they gather together to pray. Of course, we do more than that on our Wednesday night services. But whenever we are gathered together, we ought to be a body of people who unite in one accord in prayer. We're together in body, but we also want to be together in spirit. You know, I really think that there is a contradiction in terms if a person can say that he prays and there is discord. I'm not sure that that's prayer at all. If there are any words spoken to God during times of discord. There ought to be within us a unity in one agreement, and that is that we pray to God for his guidance and for the salvation of the lost. We ought to be people who pray in private, who pray in family, and who pray in church. Now, we know that we pray in church. Somebody prays, and the rest of us bow our heads. Who we pray in family? Are our families together in prayer? Is there a time in your family gathering when all members come together and you unitedly bow your heads or whatever status you want to take and actually pray? It is a praying family that stays together. You've heard that many, many times. And then there needs to be that period of private conversation with God when you and I as individuals get God's ear and talk to him. The first thing that God wants out of his church is a body of people who will pray to him, talk to him. Secondly, he expects that we witness. Now here these 120 people were in an upper room. They were together. They had prayed together. They were in unison. When that attitude finally was properly achieved, the Holy Spirit came down from 
God and entered into everybody and sat upon them as if it were so that everybody could see like with tongues of fire. And all of a sudden, this body of people who were behind locked doors, afraid of the Romans and uh, everybody else out there because of their faith, suddenly opened the doors and burst out into the streets and began to talk. Now the scripture tells us that they spoke in other tongues. And I'm not going to deal with that subject of speaking in tongues except to say there is nothing in this passage of scripture but what says they spoke in a language that somebody understood. There were Parthians and Medes and, and Edomites and people from Mesopotamia and all over the world who had gathered into Jerusalem. They spoke all these foreign languages. There was a miracle here, and you could take your choice as to what the miracle was. The miracle was that the apostles were suddenly capable of speaking in a language that they were not familiar with, or the people heard them in a common language, but in the language that they understood. Take your choice. I don't think it makes any difference. God performed a miracle to get the word out. The point that I want make is the church is a body that disperses into the community to preach, to proclaim God's word, to witness on a one-to-one basis of small groups. The church is a body who lets the world know that we're saved. I told these kids this morning that what baptism means is they are saying at the very beginning of the Christian life, by the act of baptism to the whole earth, hey, I believe in Jesus Christ, and I have asked him to come into my heart. Listen, that's a witness. But sometimes we forget that there is a witness beyond the act of baptism. The church that God is pleased with is a church that doesn't stay within the four walls of this building that bursts out the doors and takes the gospel with us wherever we might go and bear on a one-to-one or a one-to-small group basis, give our witness to the people with whom we work. There ought be no question in the minds of the people with whom we fellowship each day but what we believe in Jesus Christ. The 8th chapter of Acts tells us that the church was scattered because of the persecution, particularly the persecution of Paul. But it also tells us in chapter 8, verse 4, that they went everywhere preaching the word. It wasn't restricted to the 12, but it was done by all who believed. Then thirdly, church that God honors is a preaching church. Peter stood up in the midst of all these people. Now I want you to listen to the miracle. How many languages did Peter speak in? It would be hard for me to believe that he spoke in 40 different languages all at the same time. 
So the people in the congregation must have heard him in their own language. He preached a sermon. And at the end of that sermon, when he talked about the crucifixion of Christ and what it meant, people were touched in their heart. The scripture says they were pricked in their heart and they shouted out to Peter, what shall we do? Peter answered. Peter said, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. When a person is touched in their heart with the gospel, they need to repent of their sins, receive the Lord Jesus Christ, and follow him obediently. One sermon was preached and 3,000 people stepped forward. Today it takes 3,000 sermons to get one person to step forward, it seems. The church must continue to preach the cross as its theme, the death of Christ upon it. Somehow or other, for some strange reason, the scripture tells us that God selected the foolishness of preaching to save those who would be saved. And that's why preaching has always been a vital part of the church function. But I want you to notice the order Preaching is number three. The first thing that took place was the people were of one accord and were in prayer. The second thing that took place is the people themselves witnessed there on the streets and thirdly, a sermon being brought them to the Lord. Now, I believe that it was not solely the sermon of Peter that made those 3,000 decisions. It was the witnessing of the people as they mingled amongst the crowd. This is the order of a successful church. This is the order of a church that God will bless. Number one is that people are together in prayer. Secondly, that the people of the congregation do in fact witness their faith. And thirdly, then the preaching of the word will bring people to salvation. That's the order. What kind of a church are we? The power that was present on the day of Pentecost still present today. God is going to honor the church that honors him by praying and by witnessing. We're going to see some of that results this morning. I want to give strong tribute to Sunday school teachers and our youth leaders for what we will see this morning for of our young people making the declaration of their faith in Christ. They've been witnessed to by the lives of the leaders. And I believe by the lives of people and their families. <coughs> much, much more than anything we've ever heard in the sermon. They have the foundation. They've come to make that declaration of their faith in Christ. We are a church that is to reach out by our prayer. I will be safe. Let's pray.
Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at james.sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.